What if there was a different way to live and work beyond the hustle and hype, beyond the never ending race to get more, do more, be more, a way that's nourishing, grounded, creative, and aligned with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Alchemy in Action with me, your host, Amanda Cook. In each episode, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome back to the Wellpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Cook, and this week, we've got yet another amazing guest for you. And we're talking about, as always, how to grow your wellness business with digital marketing, which is one of our very favorite topics. So this week, I've got just a fantastic interview. This week, I'm talking to Kate Stillman from yogahealer.com. And if you're not feeling motivated now, you will be after you listen to this interview with Kate because she is just on fire. I'm totally inspired hearing her story about how she got started with Yoga Healer, which she started way back in 2001 and her teaching about Ayurveda that she does online, as well as now she also does some business coaching. And she's really grown this really big, robust, successful business and still has tons of energy for it. It's just fabulous. So we're going to talk about how she got started, what her business looks like today. We're going to talk about how she's evolved her business over time and how she manages to get it all done. And also a really juicy discussion talking about competition and if you should be worried about other people playing in your space. And then just to be totally crazy at the end, I can't resist. We talk a bit about edible plants because who knew it's a topic that we both absolutely love. So not digital marketing, but still pretty interesting at the same time. So right before we jump into this interview with Kate Stillman from Yoga Healer, I just wanted to give you a heads up about this really cool tool change that's going on. So you probably know that I'm really into Canva, canva canva.com for easy graphic design. So it's a website where you can go in and upload photos and then do these really attractive like text with colors and different layouts and stuff, just a way to make graphic design really easy. Well, they're announcing a new version that's called Canva at Work. And I don't know a ton about it yet, but the one feature I've seen is that they're going to have it so that you can easily resize your images for different social media platforms, which is awesome because right now you have to go in and create one image for Facebook and then go recreate that image in the right dimensions for Twitter or the right dimensions for Pinterest. And this Canva at work version that they're going to be releasing just easily lets you switch between these different sizes with the same branding, which is just going to be such a huge time saver. So it's not available yet, but they do have a waiting list if you'd like to sign up to be notified when it's available to try out and get early access. And I've actually got a link to that because if I can refer a lot of people, then I even get earlier super access to it. So you can just go check out Canva at work. And if you want to help me out, you can register through my link, which is wellpreneuronline.com slash Canva. And I'd really appreciate it because I'll definitely try it out and report back and give you all the details. There's also something coming up that I'm really looking forward to, which is the New Media Europe conference that's happening in September right here in the UK. So I know there are some UK and European listeners out there. And if you are and you've been interested in going to a digital media conference to talk to other bloggers and podcast producers and people involved in new media, absolutely check out this conference. I'm going to be there. I'm super excited about it. 
I have no benefit in promoting it other than I just want to meet a lot of people while I'm there. So if you're going, definitely get in touch with me, let me know, and I'd love to meet you there. Okay, so we've got quite a long interview with Kate Stillman today because we were just having so much fun talking. We just kept going on, but I think you'll find it really super useful too. So as always, you can get all of the links that we mentioned during this episode in the show notes, which is at wellpreneuronline.com slash 73. And I'm also doing that thing where if you're listening on an iDevice, an Apple device, you can just tap the picture of the podcast and that will bring you immediately to the show notes so you can access all of those links right there, right on your phone. How cool is that? So now let's jump into this interview with Kate Stillman from yogahealer.com. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Amanda. How fun. (laughs) So, Kate, I am super jealous because as we're talking, you are just getting ready to fly out to a conference, that podcast movement conference, where there's also a day that this group we're in called She Podcast is having a whole day for podcasters, and I'm super jealous. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited. Podcasting for me has been such, you know, it's a pretty funny story, actually. I had all these audio files embedded in my website. I just was recording all these audios and embedding them in my blog. And my clients and my fans were like, they're too hard to find, you know, because I do all these great guest interviews as part of my courses, uh, like my Ayurveda course and my wellness business course. And so I talked to all these great people and I'm like, oh, I should just put this out there. And then a few years ago, I had this like light bulb go off of like, oh, I could just upload them into iTunes. They'd be searchable. So I got into podcasting in a weird way, but I'm so excited to actually be entering my 2016. I'm going to take my podcast for real. So I'm, I'm going there to like get prepped, get psyched. What does that mean to make your podcast like, yeah, well, for real? it has been a very much a, it's been like a nice pet, but it's tremendous. We get the best leads from the podcast for the courses, like what actually makes the business run as a business. Our best leads come in through the podcast and I'm starting to just pay attention to that. But wow, this is a huge opportunity for me to do a lot more with it. And I have a great team behind me. So I have more bandwidth to, you know, have the time and energy to really put into more interviews and then just more teachings. I'm also going to break the podcast into two. Right now it's the Yoga Healer Real Life podcast, which is all things, you know, related to awake living and Ayurveda and and the world of yoga, which is where my roots are. And then most of my like actual businesses in the helping wellness experts with the business stuff and with accelerating the wellness path of their clients. And so I'm going to be dividing it into two podcasts, which is a little insane, but it's necessary because having two totally different markets. Mm -hmm. I totally hear you on that one. You know, I also have a website that's about natural beauty. It's like my brain is split in two things. I do things for like the natural beauty world and then things for the wellpreneur world. And I love them both. And sometimes I just have to do double, which is a bit crazy. So I'm really curious when you say, when you were talking about that, what popped to mind was that book, Going Pro by Stephen Pressfield. Yeah, I love him. So love it. it sounds to me like you're going pro with your podcast. Yeah, I so, I'm ta- yeah I'm t- I am. I'm turning pro on the podcast. Turning yeah. pro, that's it. Yeah. So what does that mean exactly? I mean, to you, what does that mean compared to what you're doing now? Because obviously you've had lots of success. You're generating lots of leads. But yet somewhere within you, you don't feel like you're quite pro with it yet. Yeah, it's kind of amazing, like a video blog and a blog and a podcast and I'm writing a book this year, which will be released in November. Like there's so much that requires attention. I created a yoga health coaching certification and we're getting close to hundred coaches in that certification process. There's just so much going on that certain things I develop and they get a ton of energy from me and the team. And then they stabilize and go into like maintenance. And so this up level with the podcast, 
what I've noticed is there's so much that I can do with it. And oh, I'm also putting on the Ayurveda Summit this year with Dr. Eric Grasser, and we have the best speakers on Ayurveda in the West. It's awesome. But like all these different projects have required attention. And the podcast just, it's on like a self-maintenance mode and it's fun and it's easy and it's doing its thing. But I'm going to turn the laser beam of my attention into the podcast as a major project for 2016. So what does that mean? Like, I don't really know. Like I said, there's all this stuff going on. But my sense is is a real schedule, a real solid release schedule, a real solid interview schedule. So it becomes much more predictable. Sponsors, whether it's through like affiliate marketing sponsors or actual sponsors, just more format to it, to how it actually goes so that it becomes more dependable for people. Because right now it's not. (laughs) I think we're releasing close to once a week now, which is like a massive breakthrough. But, you know, in the past, it's just been whenever I was interviewing someone for something else. Right. So it was never like, let me interview for my podcast. It was like, hey, do you want to be a guest speaker in the Living Ayurveda course? Great. And then I'll publish it on my podcast as well. Or do you want to be a speaker for the Yoga Healer Business course? Great. And I'll, you know, and it'll get an extra whatever 2000 downloads off the podcast and get you some exposure and you can put a promo in there. I haven't tried to grow the podcast. Right. Got it. Cool. So before we go too far down the road, I realize I haven't even really let you introduce yourself. Just give everyone listening a kind of an overview of of what your business looks like. Yeah. So I founded yogahealer.com in 2001. And the whole agenda is personal and planetary wellness. That we really look at the connection between the inner ecosystem of our bodies and the outer ecosystem and the planet. And we all get well together. And so that's evolved into a number of different courses over the years. Yogi Detox is one of my sub-brands. Mama Birthing for Moms is one. Yoga Health Coaching is another, Living Ayurveda. And then the business course where people develop signature systems. So I've had all these different courses I run. And then a greater, it's a very much a tribe-based community. I started my newsletter at yogahealer.com in 2001. Like, that is a long time ago. And it's just really organically community-based evolution. It's all just responding to what people want in terms of the conversation and what I'm tapping into as a thought leader and kind of bringing into the dialogue with my email list and with the community of people that are more in the inner circle of the courses. So do you do any one-on-one coaching or teaching or in-person events or is it all online? When people are in the courses, then they get access to the in-person events. So we meet in Mexico once a year and we meet in Idaho once a year. And that's just for people that are in the courses. And it's actually what the Mexico retreat is a workation. So it's all the wellness expert business side of things. And then the one in Idaho is actually a personal evolution retreat. So anyone in any of those inner circle courses are in there. I mean, I have a few high end one on one clients, but like those packages start at 10 grand. So it's like that's not a really good use of my dharma. It's not dharmically aligned for me to do a ton of one-on-one work. I'm really curious because you've had your business online much longer than a lot of the people that I talk to here on the podcast. And one thing I'm really interested in your take on this. So one thing I've noticed myself, because I've had my natural beauty blog for about six years, and as you go on, you change as a person, like I evolve, and then suddenly it doesn't really feel right anymore. So then I have to like update the brand and kind of change what I'm talking, not change the topic, but tailor what I'm talking about. I feel like it's morphing along with me. And I'm really curious because you've been at this for such a long time. Does that happen to you? And, and how yeah. do you deal oh, yeah. with that? Yeah, I've gone through massive confusion. You know, what happened when I was shifting into wellness business, um, everything's come from demand. 
Okay. So everything has come from within the community and my clients generally become my friends because I'm just that kind of person. I'm not trying to hold a lot of separation. I'm all into connection. And so these people would be saying like, gosh, you know, I teach them Ayurveda and my living Ayurveda course, which has been eight years old online. And then they say, well, how, how do we make money? I'm like, oh, well, this is how you make money, right? And then all of a sudden, I'm telling like yoga teachers how to make money, which is a really different thing than helping people with wellness or helping yoga teachers with Ayurveda. It's a really different thing. And it was really confusing to me. I got a lot of flack. I mean, this was eight years ago. Not everyone was talking about like abundance and money in the wellness community, especially coming from yoga and Ayurveda, where there's just a lot of ethical weightiness to just giving because you can, because you have it. And for me to be talking about like, hey, I can help you up your income 20 to 60 grand in a year. Like that was, you know, it's kind of an aggressive, it's kind of a throw and punches statement for some people. And so there was just a lot of pushback, but I just stuck with it because I saw a lot of my friends who grew up fairly affluent. They went to Ivy League schools. They're super smart and they're struggling financially and they know so much. And if they just had the business components, they could do so much more. They could help in terms of impact so much more. And so I stuck to my guns with that. And then there's just been times along the way, like Yogi Detox started in 2002, that program did. It didn't go online until I believe 2008. But sometimes I'm like, oh, I want to ditch the Yogi Detox, but it's such an essential part of the community. So now that I have this more mature, <laughs> I say that in an amusing way, but I have a more premature perspective of what's been happening in this ecosystem of my business. I truly am like an empire builder type archetype. It's just natural to me to do that. So now that I can see that and I see how I've created this really diverse, but very interconnected ecosystem of programs, it all makes sense. Along the way, it didn't make sense at all. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious, could you alluded to your team before? So when you have a situation like that, like the Yogi Detox program, maybe it's something that you've personally moved, I don't want to say beyond, but like you're on to other things. So do you have a team that helps you run those now? Or how does that work? Yes, it's typical in terms of business structure, like finance, operations, sales and marketing. So they help with that. As far as delivery of the programs, like what happens within the programs, because I still have a personal brand based business, which at times I'm like, oh, I'd love to ditch that part of it, that the brand is all about me. And it's proving very tricky to navigate. So yoga health coaching is my first real stab at kind of separating the personal brand from that. But in all of the courses now, there's course mentors. So there's people that are doing a lot of the answering questions on the forum. The mentors are available for phone calls for people that are, you know, say you're in a detox and you kind of are hitting a healing crisis that so you can actually talk to somebody or say you're in living Ayurveda course and you're three month old, just developed this crazy rash and you want to talk to somebody like right now. So we have that built within the courses, which is proving amazingly helpful, but I'm still the one doing all of the coaching on the coaching calls and leading the live calls. But I mean, in all honesty, that's like less than, I don't know what it is. I mean, most weeks it's less than five hours a week. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it's an enormous amount of time. Mm -hmm. And then everything else is kind of optimized for replay, basically with webinars and with a lot of audio files. You can imagine, you know, having all this stuff recorded for eight years, like we have an insane amount of well-archived content <laughs> at this point. So people get so much value from that, that the live interactions, a lot of it is like, oh, hey, you need to go take the you know, say in the business course, like go take the tell your story workshop and then come back to me with your next question and we'll go from there. So there's a lot of support that's within the archives. Absolutely. And that's so great. I mean, once you run a program once, then you can just record everything and then and then you're good to go. It's really well, you have to update it occasionally, but it saves tons of time and then people can reaccess it, too. So totally makes sense. I'm really curious 
when you started out and you said, looking back, it's all this interconnected web that's your business, but at the time you didn't quite see how it all fit together. And so I'm curious what the turning point was for you. Like when you started out, what was the point where you thought, oh, this is really going to work? Everything's always worked. First of all, I have a very cocky, extroverted personality. (laughs) So just so that we know that a lot of the wellness experts I work with, I think are unnecessarily insecure. And so, (laughs) you know, often I'll, you know, with my brashness, I'll rub people the wrong way. But everything really has always worked. Like I started teaching daily routines of a yogi in yoga studios in San Francisco in like 2000, 2001. I just made this stuff up. I was like bridging the gap between Ayurveda and yoga, right? I was in two schools and I realized that the curriculums and the clientele, like they had very little crossover. And our Ayurveda school had very little understanding of the modern yoga student, who is like their target market. And in the yoga studios, they have very little knowledge of, of things like daily routines of a yogi, of like what actually has become the basis of yoga health coaching in that curriculum. And so those workshops did well. And then I started selling herbs and that did fine. Like I started making my own little herb labels. I still have those today. They do just fine. And then I started doing in-depth cleanses with people and that did great. I just started doing like high-end personal retreats and that instantly became like 40 grand a year. I mean, things have worked along the way. So for me, part of it is like, where's the leverage, right? Because if everything's kind of going to work, right? If we're good at business, everything's going to work. Now, what's going to work better, right? And that's what I started to look at. It's like where, you know, I have a ton of world-class training. I've been blessed with amazing teachers and I have a massive appetite for knowledge and I'm a hard worker. So most things are going to work. I'm not afraid to use technology they don't know how to use. I'm not afraid to learn something I don't even know anything about. I'm totally incompetent, in it, right? And to get to a place where I've mastered it enough to make it work for me. So at some point it was like, okay, all this stuff seems to be working. Now I can't do it all. Or maybe I could do a lot of it, but where are the higher leverage points. And I look at income and impact in a way that where income can really be leveraged is usually where my impact can usually be leveraged. They're usually tied. And so I started getting really curious about that. And that's where I saw that like, wow, if I really want to have a bigger impact, I've got to go more to like B2B than B2C, right? I got to go business to business. I've got to work with people that have businesses because then I can influence their whole business and they can be way better at accelerating the wellness path of their students and connecting inner and outer ecosystem and spreading some of these thought leader concepts that I know are just so cutting edge, but I'm not seeing them show up yet in like yoga studio language or yoga student consciousness in the West. So that's when I just really looked at like, okay, what's the best way for me to do this and really leverage who I am and what I know and who I have access to. And that's what sort of has helped in terms of guiding. It's never been an issue of confidence. And I think as wellness experts, if we can shift our awareness to how we can be useful And just giving it our all, like really, like really in tune with what we use the word Dharma from the yoga world, like with purpose. It's like a bigger purpose. It's purpose that's so much bigger than you that you're just a vessel for doing something and making something happen that's good, that you can really sink your teeth into and get behind. Then other people can. And then you end up being on purpose and you end up drawing people into a greater experience of themselves. So you're the first person that's ever said, well, it's always worked. It's awesome. Everything works. And when you say that, I wonder if in some way that's like indicative of your mindset. Like, haven't you ever had like a webinar that no one shows up or you put out something to buy and nobody buys it or like something that some people might consider a failure? And maybe just your mindset is, well, that you didn't stop there. You kept going until it worked. Or do you just never have anything that flopped? (laughs) 
<laughs> I think you're right. I think a lot of it is mindset. I mean, I could say there's only a like hundred yoga health coaches 18 months into this program, right? And that's a program that I saw at $7,500. It is expensive. It's on target right now. Are there things that could be better about it? Like, yeah, all the time we're constantly trying to evolve and improve. I had a yoga detox once three years ago that sold like 300 seats in it. And we did a ton of helping yoga teachers recruit. And then after that, I decided I didn't have the energy to put into that as I did before. So then I could look at the next one and like, oh, wow, we only sold 100 seats. And is that a problem? I don't know. There is so many trade-offs. I learn through everything I do. We all do. And so once we get aware of like, have I ever had a webinar like flop and no one show? I don't know that I have. But what I do look at when I use a, let's just say if we use like an opt-in for a webinar and I see like, wow, that page is only converting at 30% and that page is converting at 70%. I really take time and I hate split testing you guys, but I take time and actually look at it. I'm like, what did I miss? Because that message was so on tune. For me, like, I love that marketing message, but it's only converting at 30%. Mm-hmm. And that one, I'm not totally in love with at all, but it's converting at 70%. So what can I learn from that? And part of it might be, well, like, that's only converting at 30%, but I'm an innovator and I attract people that like innovation. So a smaller percentage of people are going to grab onto an idea that's at that leading edge than one that's more mainstream, right? Mm-hmm. So even though that might only be converting at 30%, is that exactly who I want to be talking to? And if so, like, that's awesome, right? Like, that's exactly who I want to be talking to. And together, we can actually help see what it's going to take for the mainstream to get a little closer to this concept. And I think the same thing's true. Like, say, for instance, you're a, whatever, yoga or Pilates teacher or whatever, something that has a group class, and not that many people show up, but they are the right people showing up. Like, it's such an amazing opportunity to actually work in a more personal way and to really find out what they need and how you can serve and how you can be useful. And that will give you so much material for all of your marketing copy for the next four months. So, right. I mean, if you really use that one-on-one or that one like small class where you're disappointed because there's not 20 or you're paid by the number of attendees, but you turn it to your advantage. That's something that I definitely do. And it's definitely part of mindset. So you've had really, well, I don't even want to say really good luck, but you're just really tenacious. You've got the right mindset. You're obviously listening to what your market wants and feeding that back in marketing language and you're doing all the right things. But I'm sure as you've seen from working with other yoga teachers and other wellpreneurs, like this isn't the case for everyone, right? Like you said, you've got friends that were just really struggling. And so in your experience, what's the gap? What's missing there from what you're doing and and what everyone else is doing? For me, like that mantra of be useful has been really helpful that it's not about me. And this is, you know, part of my struggle, right? Is I have this like personality based brand and it's not about me, right? So it's like this funny dichotomy in there. And I feel like the people that really get stuck, it's all about them. And it's not about who their client is and being innovative about being more useful to their client. Because when we do that, we attract, right? We have a magnetic energy. So people are magnetized to us. And then there's more work than we would ever possibly have time to do. And at that point, we can leverage, right? Because then we can start to see like, oh, there's more demand than there is supply. Whenever there's more demand than there is supply, you can raise your rates. You can create inner circles. You can create things of higher value. And now you can start to leverage and scale. And is that going to be good for you personally? Like, yeah, that's going to be freaking amazing because now you can use your time the way you want to use your time. You can earn more, which means you can 
buy more time. Like I, when I earn more, I'm like, great, I can buy more time. Like that's what I look at. I can get more help to serve this greater purpose. And to me, it, it is a lot of that. Like it's about who you're serving always. So that's a perfect segue into something that we alluded to before we started recording, actually, which was this whole idea of, is there enough to go around? And this idea of collaborating versus competition within the wellness space. And I know this happens a lot. So I'm trained as a health coach and lots of health coaches are like, oh my God, there's so many health coaches. And it's like, you all just kind of want to claim your own little space. And there's some resistance sometimes to wanting to share what we're doing and looking at collaborating with each other. So what's your take on this issue? Yeah, yeah. This is something that I find it's subconscious in a lot of wellness experts, because most wellness experts that are like into wellness, to me, that implies a holistic mindset. They're already pretty liberal. (laughs) You know, they already have a lot of understanding of like the breath body and subtle anatomy and the expanding universe. They have a tangible experience of like the universe is expanding, who they are is expanding. And then all of a sudden you start talking business stuff and there's like contraction, 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 Mm -hmm. right? Or you start talking money and numbers or someone else puts up a website that they like better than theirs. And then they contract around that instead of expand around that. And, and often this is all, it's not spoken about. It's swept under the rug. We don't admit it to ourselves, right? So we might be like kind of jealous of what someone else is doing. who seems to be kind of taking off in the direction that we feel like we have those expertise. Why aren't we taking off? And it creates this contraction in ourselves. Whenever we're contracting in that way, it's usually we're not going to be more useful to our target clients, right? It's like not helping. But don't you think a lot of it's like, isn't it kind of an insecurity thing? If you're not owning the space that you're in, then when you see somebody else doing something that's kind of similar, I guess because you're not feeling really sure about what you're doing, then you start getting really defensive and competitive. Yeah, I think so. I really do think so. Absolutely. Right. And so... What I want to share is like when I notice that happen to me and it's happened, like if I look over the years, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's pretty cool to see what's happened with this. Because what I do is I reach out to the person who I feel is a competitor. I've trained myself to do this. Oh my God, everybody's cringing right now. Everybody out there in listener land is like, (laughs) (laughs) right? And I'm like, I've trained myself. So now it's a habit. So now when I have that contingent of like contraction, I reach out. So I have a saying in yoga health coaching don't tweak out, reach out. So whenever you feel like feel yourself tweaking out, instead of contracting inward, you reach outward. Because that's really what it is. I'm really impressed with what my competitor, quote unquote, like old world thinking, big box advertising competitor, like that type of mindset. And I gush and I was like, oh my gosh, your new website is so amazing. I so love what you're doing. I just wanted to let you know, I really am admiring what you're doing. And let me know if you ever want to connect, right? Mm. And it's like worked every time. And then we become friends and then we help each other. <laughs> and it's like the whole thing gets bigger and better. And, and we're so much more useful to the world as collaborators than we ever could be as competitors. To me, it's so deeply reaffirming to just the way that the connection economy works. Well, I think it really ties into this whole like abundance mindset too, and the issues that come up about money all of it. It's all tied together. Like, oh my gosh, if they take my clients, I'm not going to have enough money. They're going to take all the clients. And there's just this scarcity thing going on, right? And so you're just saying, reach out and connect. And probably that person is thinking the same thing about all their other perceived competitors' websites too. So you can just break down that wall and take the first step. Yeah. And when you do, you start (laughs) to retrain your neural pathways. This is the other thing I like to do is see these patterns greater than me. So this is just a pattern in the human psyche as it's arising in this current day and age. Right. And it's been trained into us. 
it's not personal at all. We all have this. We all do it. We all at some point make the pivot from competitive to collaborative. If you haven't made that pivot yet, just know that that's coming. Yeah, you could die with this and have to do it in your next life or whatever your belief system, or you could like die and be in hell because you haven't figured this one out, (laughs) but it's not going to go away. And there's this shift that we're all being invited into. And it's a shift that once we actually shift it in ourselves, for those of us like myself who are parents, the children will not have that. It's like the epigenetic thing. It's like you can fix it for the next generation, right? The same thing's true with these up levels in human development. So we up level our own operating system into a collaborative, into a networked, into a connection economy operating system. And we're doing it not just for ourselves, but we're really doing it for all humanity. Like we're doing it for all sentient beings. And there's so much power when we decentralize it that way. It's not about us. So if you can't do it for yourself, maybe you can do it for everyone else. Do it for humanity. (laughs) Yes. Totally. Cool. I can't believe it. We've just been talking for about 30 minutes already. It's gone super fast. So I want to just do a complete 180 on topics here. And I want to talk about edible plants, which has nothing to do with digital marketing, but it's a topic that you and I both love. So edible plants. What's your favorite edible wild plant? Yeah. So I'm a massive fan of invasives and I can tie any two concepts together, I feel like. So let's tie this into what we were just talking about with competition (laughs) versus collaboration mindset. So a lot of people see invasive plants like thistles and and even dandelions as basically being the bad guys, right? Something that we got to like weed out. But these invasive plants like, like thistle and like dandelion, and there's 13 of them that are really just prevalent everywhere. Humans have basically wrecked the soil. There's a great book on this called The Wild Wisdom of Weeds by Katrina Blair, which I highly, highly recommend to understand this greater concept. What we find is that these wild weeds, like thistle, which is like big and crickly and ugly and spreads its seed everywhere. And like when a kid steps on it, they cry because it hurts so bad. Like not a friendly plant. It's a permaculture plant. It's pulling nutrients from up to like 30 feet below the earth's crust through its little tiny micro root system. And so it's pulling nutrients and minerals through the places that our plants that are grown on like these organic farms, you know, wherever, if we're in the U.S. and, and uh, it's all grown in whatever, California and Mexico and whatnot, and imported and, ex, you know, and shipped all over the place. Those plants are not able to tap root into the deeper nutrients, right? So these plants are trying to save us. And then we all run around with Roundup, like trying to kill the dandelions in the front lawn, right. which just absolutely right. breaks my heart now. When I see people doing this, I'm like, ah, don't, <laughs> don't kill the dandelions. Put them in your yep. salad. Yeah. Don't ruin the ecosystem of your soil, right? Or it'll ruin your ecosystem of your body. And so that's really that connection of getting like how I take care of my yard, the plants that are growing in my kitchen or my house, that is really a reflection of how I'm taking care of my body, how I'm feeding my deeper self. So it's thistle. I use thistle in smoothies primarily. And I also turn it into my own super wild, super green powder, which I then basically just add to smoothies in the wintertime so I can have my native invasive plants year round. Cool. So do you actually use the thistle leaves or do you use the heart? Yep. The leaves. Yep. And just blend it up with the thorns and all. Yep. I use a high power blender and I just beat the heck out of it. The simplest recipe is thistle, apple, lemon, and water and just blend that on high until it's soft and velvety and you're going to get more nutrients than you ever believed. Mm. I was at the, my sort of holistic chiropractor guy the other day. He's not really, I don't know what he calls himself. He's this amazing healer and he was palpating my organs and he's like, you have the healthiest liver I've ever felt. And I'm like, that's, that's, that's not me. That's thistle. Mm-hmm. Hi, thistle. You know, like we're friends. And that's, I think really when we're talking about, you know, that 
where are your plant friends in your hood? And that's really the question that I think people should be asking around the globe. Totally. So this herbalist that I studied with for years, he would always say that you could walk around London where I live and you could look at the weeds that were growing in front of somebody's house and you could tell basically like what was going on with their health because the plants you need are going to grow around you. Um, which I always thought was really funny. But one thing I just love. Wait, was that Robin? Was that Robin Harwood? No, but he's he's like the super forager here. Yeah, I love, I interviewed him. He is the coolest. If you're in, for those who are listening in London, like hot damn. Yeah, he's really cool. He's got a great newsletter and he's having Seven Song come over to the UK, who's an American herbalist who's awesome, who who I met a couple of times. No, no, no. I was studying with Christopher Headley, who's one of the herbalists here, one of the older herbalists. So who's fab. But so one of the reasons that I totally love wild plants and wild food is that it's kind of a take on what you were saying, but they grow everywhere. They don't grow in like nice, properly cultivated soil with perfect conditions and lots of tending. They grow everywhere in all sorts of crazy conditions. And I think something about like that wild spirit and just the hardiness And like the vitality that they have in them because they can grow everywhere. I think that comes across when you're eating it as well. Like when you're having it as tea or eating it in your smoothies or in your food. And I also think those are the plants that are adapted to your current environment that you're living in. So if we're talking about eating locally and seasonally and to help your body adapt to the conditions you're in, obviously those are like the perfect food. So my very favorite one. Oh. Go on. Yeah, no, I just want to say like, this is so big that we get this, but we really get on a bigger scale, like what's happening here. These are the plants that are growing around us. And the same thing's true in wellness business, right? Who are the people that are coming to you? Yes. Like, start working with them. I find people like overthinking their niche. It's like, who can you help? You know, it's like the plants are showing up outside your door. They're trying to help you. Yeah. Don't kill them. <laughs> Can I I was just running this small group coaching program and we were just talking because one of the women was talking about how she wants to do all of her business online, but yet like she's doing these in-person workshops and it feels almost like cheating to sell to those people because it's not online. And it's like, you know what, if these people are showing up, go for it. Like (laughs) use what's showing up for you. Like that's the universe sending stuff to you, people or plants or whatever it is. But okay. So I have to say my favorite, favorite wild plant is nettles. Do you have nettles where you live? Yeah, I eat a ton of nettles. Actually, I just ground up some nettles to bring to the podcaster conference because I'm going to bring my own green powder. I travel with my own green powder, right? Because otherwise I suffer from withdrawal. It's really ugly. I mean, I guess we had them in the US. I'm from New Hampshire and I I don't know, maybe I'd seen one or two, but oh my gosh, they are rampant in the UK. Like they're just growing out everywhere in all the sidewalks. They're all along the Thames. Like you just can't even take two steps without running into nettles. And they're absolutely brilliant. They're filled with iron and minerals. They've got lots of silica, so they're good for your hair and nails. And they're delicious. So I blend them up into pesto. And then I also make like a pureed nettle soup in the springtime. Oh my gosh, it's just so totally yummy. So anybody out there that has nettles, get in touch. I can give you nettle recipes because they're awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Cool. So Kate, this has been so great talking to you. So tell everybody where they can find you if they'd like to learn more or get in touch. The whole hub is on yogahealer.com. And that's the best place to go for uh, seeing the whole world of there's a ton of free trainings. There's cheat sheets. There's a podcast. There's a blog. There's a vlog. There's just a ton of great free info. If anyone wants to just get into free training directly, go to yogahealer.com forward slash signature. And that's for wellness experts who haven't developed their signature system and really aren't leveraging their time for money. And that's really, you know, for people that are at least 10 years into your profession, like you're solid, you've got skills and you're just not making the money you want. That might be a good resource. Awesome. And what's your podcast called? 
Yoga Healer Real Life Show. Cool. Awesome. Thanks so much, Kate, for being here. It's been great for talking to you. Yeah, you too, Amanda. It's fun to have so much intersecting in how we're thinking and how we're living. It's, yeah. it's really reaffirming. It's super cool because I feel like I've got these two totally separate parts of my brain, but yet like you kind of do too. So we're not alone. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. There's a lot going on. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, are you feeling so totally inspired after that interview? <laughs> I know I was. Kate has so much energy and I just love to see how she's grown and expanded and evolved her business, but is still totally present in it, right? I just, she's really an inspiration to talk to. So you can get everything that we talked about in this episode in the show notes, which are at wellpreneuronline.com slash 73. And if you're super excited about the idea of eating wild food and especially nettles, you can get loads of recipes for wild food on my other website, which is vintageamanda.com. And if you want special recommendations, just tweet me at vintageamanda and I'll be happy to kind of get you started with eating wild food. (laughs) Here's something you didn't know about me that you learned this episode, that Amanda likes to eat weeds. Who knew, right? Anyway, I hope you have a fabulous week. That's it for me this week. Uh, But I'm sending you tons of good luck and good vibes for your wellness business. And I'll see you back here next week with the next episode.